Well, good morning, guys, and welcome to Journey. Uh, my name is Randy. If you have not been with us before, it's great to have you worship together. And if you're a regular, what an awesome time of year that we have there. Hey, guys, how about the stage uh, set? Uh, pretty cool back there. Um, telling you, um, Dan and his team uh, do a ton of work, and uh, Dan pulled an all-nighter. Of course, he is a young man still, uh, but he pulled an all-nighter Friday night, so I admire that a lot. Uh, but uh, thanks a lot, Dan, for all your hard work and uh, creating a place of, uh, uh, of interest and beauty. Guys, we are going to begin a new series today called Come and Worship. Come and Worship, it's kind of our Christmas series. And we're going to be looking at uh, some things, why we worship and who we worship, how we worship. And I-, I wanted to mention that next week in this series, the message entitled, Bring Your Gifts. And I want to encourage everyone to do something. Uh, maybe, th- maybe you do this every week already. If you uh, bring a gift. If you come to give to God, uh, that's awesome. I just want to encourage you. Uh, we're planning to do a little bit extra just because we want to sacrifice and, and give a gift to Jesus this, uh, uh, this Christmas. Maybe if you have never given, if you just don't give, uh, you might consider doing that. We're encouraging everyone to let this be your act of worship, uh, not an obligation, not a duty, not because I'm asking you, just, but just because you want to give a financial gift to Jesus next week. And here's the thing. So it's not self-seeking and you're going, you're just trying to give it to the church. Uh, we want to give it to Journey Provisions. Uh, we feel like Journey Provisions is a ministry that's making a huge impact and meeting the needs of people in our community. If you're not familiar with them, you ought to know more about them. Uh, they are got some exciting news moving into a new facility here in a month or so. And uh, we just want to, we're going to give whatever is above our uh, normal budget. We're going to give that to Journey Provisions for, uh, to help people in our community. So it's not for us, it's for you. Uh, we want to encourage you to, to make that a priority, and maybe it'll be the first time that you ever do that, but that'll be next Sunday. No embarrassment, nobody's going to put you on a spot, uh, but we're just encouraging you to do that. Well, today we're beginning this series, and uh, I've been kind of excited about this. I try to write the sermons in uh, advance, and so for a few weeks I've been thinking about this and praying about how to share some of these things, so I'm excited about, about this morning. I want to begin by looking at this actual scripture in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, we saw some of the scripture was up on the, scene, uh, the screen, we'll, we'll be reading that a little bit later, but uh, we want to read the scripture about the Magi, the wise men who came to bring gifts to Jesus, to come and worship. And uh, if you know the Christmas story, you know that Jesus was born uh, in a manger in a small town of Bethlehem, uh, unexpectedly. Uh, nobody was preparing for him. He was born. Shepherds came uh, to worship him. And then later on, the Bible says that when he was in a, a, a home, uh, the, the Magi came to, to worship him. So that's where we're going to pick up. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, I just noticed some real quick things about this. Uh, obviously, we don't know exactly where they came from, and we, we also don't know if they were even believers in God, but they saw a star, and they followed the star to the place where Jesus was, and they came to worship. But one of the things you see is that the wise men did not come to get something from God. They didn't come to follow the star and say, let's go find the, this king and see if he'll give us something. No, they came to give him something. They came to offer worship to him. You know, today our view of God is kind of skewed in that we believe that God ought to give us something. God exists to give us what we want. And so when we want something, especially we start asking God for it, and we, if he doesn't come through, we wonder if there's a God, and you know, if he's a good God, and all those kind of selfish things that we do. But these guys just came to worship God and to worship the newborn king. 
See, God doesn't exist for us, but we exist for him. We are created to glorify him, to worship him, to make him known, and to bring him honor and glory. And not just on Sunday morning. Worship is not something we walk in here and do and then walk out and we're done. We're called to be worshipers all week long, every day of our lives. Because, you know, the reality is that the way God made us is that we were made to worship. And we're all going to worship something or someone. I don't care who you are. If you have no concept of who God is, there's something that's important to you that you'll give your life to. It might be money. It might be things. It might be a position, power, people. Who knows? You're going to worship something or somebody. And what we believe is that as Christians, we are created to worship God And my prayer over the next few weeks is that we will come to desire to know him better, to worship him intimately, worship him with passion. And and worship, what we do here on Sunday morning is a part of that. And so we're going to be talking about several ways that we can worship through this series. Now to give this setting, I thought it might be interesting. I'll tell you about my history with worship because some of you might identify with this. I grew up in the 60s and 70s in a small country church. And this was long before what we call the worship wars. And you know, if you've been around church world, you know what the worship wars are. That's when there was a transition from older songs and hymns to more contemporary type music. Uh, unfortunately, it can be called the worship wars. And we didn't have those because there was no other style of worship in that day. Uh, it just didn't exist, so nobody knew about it. But on one side of our church was a piano, on the other side was an organ, and that was it, you know. Guitars were for camp. And, and, and talent nights. And the, and the biggest thing we had, we had a guy on talent night, which was like every fifth Sunday night or something, who would play a harmonica. I mean, that was big time. That was contemporary for us, a harmonica. There, there weren't any keyboards. There were not any drums. There was no sound loops and not even recorded music to sing by. And so when someone sang a special, they sang either a cappella or with the piano or the organ. And, uh, and whenever they sang a special or the preacher would make an especially powerful point, some of the people there, the bold one, would say, amen, all right? And sometimes the preacher didn't feel like they got enough, so he would stand up and he would say, and everybody said, amen. amen. Yeah, you know, because uh, somebody was slighted there. There was no applause in our church, no applause at all, because I think it was because we might be applauding the person who actually sang And that would be wrong, right? They were lucky to get an amen, you know, or two. They got nothing beyond that. There was no response from the audience. Let me ask, how many of you were raised like that? All right, put your hands down, because we couldn't do that either, all right? (laughs) We couldn't raise our hands in our church. Nobody raised their hands unless you had a question, which, by the way, was not very welcome in the public service. You didn't go around asking questions and you didn't raise your hands up. And, and I never really thought about that or understood it, but I think it was because that was associated with the Pentecostal church that was down the road, along with speaking in tongues and washing feet and jumping pews and getting slain in the Spirit, you know? Now, I didn't know much about that, even though my grandfather was a very faithful Pentecostal. He went to a Pentecostal church down the road. I want to tell you, Pop was one of the most important people in my lives, my life. I love my grandfather. Uh, I still miss him. I admired his deep faith, had an incredible faith. And I remember hearing him pray just passionately out loud and talking to God. It was amazing. But we didn't know much about his church because we were very safely protected by our parents from knowing what happened there at church, even though the word did, did get out. 
But all I knew is this, that every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, my grandfather would drive by and drop my grandmother, up, grandmother off at our church, and she would go to church with us while he went to his church. That's just how it happened. It sounds weird today. She never went there. He never came to our church, but it worked for him. And that's kind of how I grew up in the church setting. Now, to be honest, for the first 15 years or so of my ministry, we just kept that same pattern. We sang the same songs that we always sang the same way. And I personally, personally, because I'm not a music person, I didn't find much in the music to get excited about. But I got to tell you this, and some of you might, might identify with this. Every now and then, we would bring in a song leader, and, and they, he would do something exciting. Um, you know the old song, There's Power in the Blood? Wonder working power. The most exciting thing we ever did was see how many powers we could slip into that song. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? It would be there's power in the blaze. Let's, let's put five powers. So there's power, 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 power. I'm telling you, that was big time for us. That was exciting. That was edgy. That's how I grew up in the church, right? So for me, a lot of times it was like, okay, yeah, let's sing a few songs. I guess we should have some filler there. Hopefully we can hit them on tune. And let's get to important things, the preaching. You know, I kind of endured that other part. Let's just get to the preaching as soon as possible. But, you know, then some things changed. And I'm just telling you how it was for me. Along came a different style of music and a new focus on worship. And it really seemed to change not only different songs, but what it means to worship God and how we worship. Now, I'm not here to knock the old songs because I love some of the old songs. I really do. Many of them speak to me. They have great messages. So I'm not knocking it at all. They can move us to worship. There are some good old songs. There's some bad old songs. And there's some good new songs and some bad new songs as well. But along with the new worship songs came also a new concept to a lot of us. And that is that we just didn't sing a song about God, that we sang a song to God. That we say, and we actually worship God, and we, we, we talk to God in our worship, and it came out a little bit different. Now, don't go out of here and say that I hate the old songs. I don't. But, but if, if you're honest with me, you, you kind of understand this, hopefully. And, and when the concept was that we come to church to give something and not to get something. That we don't come just to get a fix. And I hope that you're not stuck there. You come to get a fix, and oh, I got my fix, and now I'm going to go out. But we come not to get, but we come to give something to God. We come to give something to Him. Have you ever heard anybody say, nobody's going to admit it because it's immature. I've done it too. You know, I didn't get anything today. I just didn't get anything. You know, some of you are going to walk out today. I didn't like that. I didn't get anything today. I'm going to tell you that's a little bit immature because my question would be, what did you give? What did you give today? Did, if you didn't give anything no wonder you didn't get anything. So anyway, that's the setting I had. And when I came to Versailles 20 years ago, I found a church community that loved to worship, that loved to worship and was more free in worship. You know, for example, we applauded all the time, and that was okay. And people even lifted their hands up in praise. Now, I'd always been taught, to be honest with you, that when you lifted your hands, you were calling attention to yourself. That was what our church, I don't know if anybody ever said that, but it was like, no, you don't do that. Because they're just showing off. They're just calling attention. I'm not sure what that was to show off, but, but that was kind of the thought there. And uh, so I have to admit that I was a little skeptical of that. Now, in our service earlier to this point, you, if you're, that's your background like mine, you probably saw somebody lift their hands, maybe even me. 
And if you didn't grow up with that, maybe you were wondering, what's that all about? And why do people do that? And, and why should they do that? Maybe you're skeptical. But you know what? If you watch them, I think you're going to see it's real, it's genuine, it's heartfelt, but it may be awkward to watch. Now, a topic like this is a little bit heavy and uncomfortable for some of us, so I thought it might be good to, to break it with a little bit of humor, as if we haven't laughed enough so far. But uh, So I got a, a short video here of a guy named Tim Hawkins. He's going to talk about uh, using your hands in worship. So, so watch this, and this will go forward. All right, watch this. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's... Um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to. I need to get some momentum. Totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us. Feel free to join us, but don't feel like you gotta join right in, okay? Start slow. We got a lot of different hand raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand raises. So I'm gonna walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready, carry the TV. Carry the TV, that's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to go post. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. <laughs> oh, wow. It's great to laugh at ourselves, isn't it, you know? But, but on a more serious note, really, seriously, we're going to talk about worship and why someone might raise their hands. And, uh, you know, I was thinking how, how important it is that we use our hands in expressing ourselves, right? I mean, it's amazing how much we actually do that. Uh, how many of you use your hands when you talk? I do, obviously, you know, we all do that, right? Uh, how many of you use your hands when you can't talk? This morning, this morning I'm driving to church. You know, I'm a, trying to be in a good mood to drive to church. This guy's on the wrong side of the road, you know, as his lights on. on the wrong, I'm like, what are you doing in my lane? On a blind hill, what are you doing in my lane, you know? I think he was delivering mail, but it doesn't matter what he was doing, you know? And I'm like, this. I mean, that's the universal, like, are you an idiot? In my lane on the, on the blind hill, <laughs> what are you doing? I was thinking about how expressive, we don't have to say anything. Our hands can say it all, all right? 
that are part of our expression. Now, let me just say this. Here's a disclaimer. I, I'm not trying to get you to, to applaud more. I'm not trying to get you to wave your hands, Ray. I'm not trying to do any of that stuff. I'm just going to talk about how we use our hands sometime in worship and what the Bible says about it. Psalms chapter, one, uh, chapter 63 Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul longs, thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. You know, they say that when David wrote this, isn't it ironic that, that how we tie these together and not necessarily plan? But David wrote these words probably when he was in the dry time in his life. And a lot of people say that maybe it was that year between his sin and his repentance. You know, when, you're not come, when you haven't come clean before God, you, know, you can't worship God. There's a barrier there. And David said, there's a dry part in my life. I'm in a desert. I'm in a low point. I'm like a person who's longing for water, who, who hadn't had any drink. I'm thirsty at all. And maybe that's where you are today, even in the middle of the holidays, when it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, and everybody's happy and joyful, and you're not feeling that joy very much, you know? You're in a dry place emotionally, or maybe re relationally, or maybe you're dry financially, or maybe you're dry physically, your health, or spiritually, you're dry. You're alone, you're rejected, you're afraid, whatever it may be, empty. And you look around, and everybody looks so happy, but you're not. You know, what I've noticed is that the holidays are a magnifier. If things are really, really good in your life, man, they're just better at the holidays. It's awesome. But if things are not so good in your life, they seem that much worse because everybody else is having a great time and it's just magnified in your life. So if you're here today and you're feeling empty for any purpose or reason, like David, I would encourage you to cry out like David and sit in and say, God, I need you. I need you. And when David was hurting like this, he knew who to reach to. He said, God, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I have beheld your power and glory. I think all of us go through those dry times of life, even as Christians. You know, we're not exempt from that. But David knew that God was his answer. And he said, God, your, your love is better than life. It's better than life. Now, how, how is God's love better than life? Well, God's love is eternal everlasting, unconditional, far-reaching, and totally satisfying. And life is not any of those things all the time. Sometimes it's great, but most of the time it doesn't fill us like that. And God's, uh, David said, your love, your love is greater than life. And because of that, God, I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to praise you. See, praise and worship are the natural results of knowing who God is. Praise and worship are the natural results of knowing who God is. Let me, let me give you an example. All of us are gathered here today because coming to worship is important to us, right? There are many, many people who are out there who think we are crazy. I mean, you're giving up a perfectly good morning to come and listen to somebody lecture. Who would do that? You know, and you're going to sing some songs and somebody's going to raise their hand and applaud. You don't know what that even means, but it's kind of crazy that you're doing it. But you know why you're here? You're doing it because you know who God is. And you want to worship God. It's not a wasted time. It's a time, it's an important time for you. And, and non-Christians don't understand why we worship, but when they become to know God, then they understand that. And here's the other side of that, is once you stop worshiping God, you begin to slip away from God. When you stop going to church, when you stop being with other believers, you stop the corporate worship, most people are going to slip away from God. So David says, God, I'm going to praise you because I know you as long as I live, and as long as I live in your name, I will lift up my hands. And that will be his part, his act of worship. 
Now, it's kind of interesting how David talks about that. We'll read another uh, situation in a moment here. But uh, how that lifting up his hands to God was an act of worship. In the New Testament, Paul says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. You know, sometimes in the Bible, the word men means mankind. You might say, well, God's just saying, "I, I want people to lift up holy hands. No, that's not what it's saying. Here it means men, masculine, which is really interesting, to be honest, because Paul says, I want men to lift up holy hands. And maybe that's because women find it more comfortable expressing how they feel. Probably is. Women can do that, and guys struggle with that, you know. Whether it's pride or awkwardness or maybe just, you know, doing a little exposing our hands feels like a chick thing and not a man thing. I don't know. But maybe what Paul's really saying is I want men to be the leaders of worship in their families. I want them to be the spiritual leaders. Men, don't make your wives be the spiritual leaders of your family. Don't make them be the one to initiate going to church, where you're hoping they don't mention it on Sunday night, or Saturday night or Sunday morning, you know, are we going to church tomorrow? Don't, be, don't make the wives do that. Don't make the wives be the one to say, can we have some family devotion time? Don't make your wives to say, can, can we give a gift financially? God, be the leaders. Paul says, I want the men to set the standard of worship and lifting holy hands and lives to God. Now, does that require that we lift our hands up in church? No, it doesn't do that. Can we go through the motions of lifting our hands in the air and not be at all worshiping God and not be holy? Yes, exactly. It's not the motion. It's the willingness to lift up our lives before God. But however we do it, God wants us to be reaching out to Him, to be reaching up to Him. You know, we have four kids, and our kids are grown, no grandkids yet. I remind them of that pretty often, uh, but uh, we have some grandkids. But when our kids were little and babies, I was always uncomfortable. I mean, a baby... They're squirmy, and they're not easy to hold. There's, they don't have any grips, no handles on them. And sometimes they kind of get away from you, and I don't even want to drop one of those precious things. I was a little, little bit awkward until they got older. When they got to be toddlers, now that's when the fun began. And, and I loved them when we could play together. And I was always a sucker when one of my kids would walk up and reach up their hands to me and say, Daddy, take me. I mean, I was always a sucker. Even if I had one in one arm, I tried to get the other one up there as well. And, and to have both arms. I was always a sucker of that because how do you turn that down? How do you say, no, no, get down, get away from me? You know, what loving father is going to do that to a child, you know? And I think our Heavenly Father is the same. When we reach up to Him, whether we do it physically or in our hearts, when we reach up to Him, our Father is going to reach down to us. And when our hands and our hearts move toward Him, He's going to move toward us. James 4 says it like this. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. See, we can't reach God by ourselves, but as we reach out to Him, it's an act of worship and a response to us. Psalms 141 says, O Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Here's my voice when I call to you. May my prayers be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. You know, David may have been a shepherd when he was a boy. I I hope we don't have any shepherds in this group. Uh, maybe that's your profession, you're a shepherd. I, I don't know how manly a job being a shepherd is, I don't know, but I know that when you're a warrior, which is what David became, that's a manly job. David was not a sissy guy. He was a man's man, a manly kind of guy, but he talks repeatedly about lifting his hands up to God in worship. You always got this, bit, this visual picture of David worshiping his God, uh, God as he's singing the hymns and psalms that he's written. He was a warrior. 
Here's another interesting thing. Speaking of battle, let me give you an example of God using lifted hands to win a battle. It's in Exodus chapter 17. In that account, the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites. And Moses, who was their leader, was up on this mountain. He was watching the battle go back and forth. And, and literally in that day, it was hand-to-hand combat. And so they were advancing and retreating. And they were equally, pretty much equally uh, uh, gifted and in military. And so they were, the battle could have gone either way. So Moses is lifting there, and he lifts up his, uh, sitting there, he lifts up his hands and begins to pray to God, and he notices something. Maybe he opened one eye to peek how the battle was going while he was praying. I don't know, but, but he notices when his hands are up and he's praying that the Israelites are winning. But then he notices when he puts his hands down, the Israelites are, are losing. It's kind of interesting. Here's what it says. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' given army with the sword. So here's what it was. Winning, losing. Winning, losing. After a while, Moses was like, I think I got this one figured out. You know, I'm going to, we want to win. So he's, he's holding his hands up, and as long as he does that, they're winning. But, you know, after a while, his hands got tired, and they started to drop. When you're in a spiritual battle, you need to reach out to God for strength and help, however you do that. You know what? Some of you may be in a spiritual battle today, and it may be time to lift your eyes, your heart, maybe your hands to God, and cry out for His help, and praise Him, and give Him your battle. And here's the other thing, is that sometimes we have to have some other people to help us out. We have to have others. Aaron, who was Moses' brother, and her, who was one H-U-R, not H-E-R, her, they helped Moses out. They helped him keep his arms up because he got tired. And they won the victory because they helped him do it together. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get tired. And sometimes I need some people to come alongside of me and help me hold up my arms. I get tired of lifting my arms, you know, fighting the battle. And I'm blessed because I got a lot of spiritual brothers, especially who step up to help me when I'm weary. And guys, that's why we need each other. That's why we need the corporate church. That's why it's important that you just don't sit home and watch TV on Sunday morning. Because we need one another to worship together. We need that corporate. We don't just worship God by ourselves. We worship as the body of Christ. And so we corporately stand. We corporately sing. We corporately applaud. We lift up our hands and our hearts to God. And I want to be there for you to help you. I want you to be there for me. I'm blessed when I hear us sing together. And worship together. We hold up each other's hands and we find victory in Christ. And I was also thinking about this. I was thinking about throughout history, what have lifted hands meant? Well, for some of you elites in the boxing world, and for you of you rednecks in the wrestling or the wrestling world, what happens at the end of a bout? The referee goes over and he lifts up somebody's hand. And what's that saying? You won. The winner is such and such. You, you won the match, right? Kind of interesting about that. So the same people sometimes who do not feel comfortable worshiping or expressing worship on Sunday will scream and shout and raise their hand when the Wildcats win on Saturday, right? Have you ever, seen, you ever been in a, 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 a basketball game where everybody just sat there with their hands down? I mean, people are pumping their fists, you know, or Louisville, whoever you're rooting for, Chuck, sorry. Um, but they're pumping their fists, you know, they're applauding, you know, they're screaming, you know, everything else. What if we brought some of that passion and excitement in worship and we gave it to God instead of giving it to a basketball team 
or some concert that we're going to? What if we worship God with that kind of enthusiasm that we showed for the teams that we like? Then I was thinking, what else do we raise our hands for? Well, surrender. Uh, anymore, I think it's a little bit different. I think they say put your hands behind your head. But when I was a kid, it was always put your hands up. Like, okay, I surrender. Hands over your head, right? I surrender. I give up. But here's the neat thing. In the presence of God, it can mean both. When you surrender to him, you actually find victory in him. And that's what we long for. We want to come and worship him. We want to lift up our, Paul says, our holy hands to God. In a few moments, when we wrap up here, we're going to close our service with a song. And Dan has chosen deliberately a song of victory that we can rejoice to. And I really don't care. We've joked about it. I really don't care if you raise your hand or not. It doesn't matter to me. But will you raise your voice and your heart in praise? And let that be your act of worship. Your act of worship. We worship Him in many ways. And, and it's just the commitment of our heart. It's the, our voices. It's just raising all that up to God. And would you do that in praise and worship to Him? And if it feels right, you can lift up your hand as well and surrender and in victory. Just feel free to do that if you want. You don't have to, but if you want to, that's fine. And guys, there's one more reason that we might raise our hand. Maybe you've thought of that, and that was to volunteer. Whenever somebody says, I need some help, and you go, who'll, who'll help? And you go, I'll do that. I'll volunteer. I'm willing. Sign me up. Use me. Choose me. Use me. And the crazy thing is that God wants us on his team that God calls all of us, but we have to be willing to respond. Can you imagine the call going out for volunteers and everybody just sitting there going, well, I would do it, but I'm not going to raise my hand. Maybe they'll, you know, figure it out. You know, maybe he'll call on me. No, we have to respond in some way. And so I, I want to encourage you to be willing to respond to him this morning. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we wrap up. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to remind you that all of us are sinners and all of us are separated from God. But Jesus volunteered. God said, he'll go. Jesus said, I'll go. I'll go down there to the earth and, and I'll live as a human being and I'll, I'll die for those people. I'll go. And that's exactly what he did. And he paid for our sins with his own life and he bridged the gap to God. But wonderfully, he was raised from the dead, and now anyone who calls in his name and reaches out to him will be saved. But we have to respond to his invitation. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ and you know that today is the right time to do so, I'm just going to ask you if you would just to raise your hand right now to volunteer, to say, sign me up. I'm, I want to be on his team. Maybe today is the day that you initiate that relationship with him in that way. That is your first step. And if you have done that, there are, there's another step. There's a next step. We want to talk to you about that. But when you do that, when you surrender, you experience the victory. Now, here's the other thing I want all of us to do as we wrap up. I want to ask you, how many of us really want to be a worshiper? However we do it, can you just say, God, I'm ready to be a worshiper. Just say, God, just raise your hand and say, I want to worship. Let's do that. Father, as we come this morning, we want to worship you. Lord, however we do it, whatever the posture of our body is, whatever we do with our hands, we want to do it with our hearts. God, we want to serve you. So this morning, Lord, I pray that you would find us willing, that God, we would raise our hands and our hearts symbolically, if nothing else, in, in response to you and say, Lord, I want to be on your team. God, I volunteer to follow you, 
God, I surrender to your call. And Lord, I want to find victory in Jesus. This morning, that's my, uh, my prayer for each of us. God, that's my prayer for, uh, for your blessing on each life. That God, wherever each of us may be, in a parched and dry land, that God, you would give comfort and peace and hope. You would draw us to you. Lord, I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.